Well, greetings, everyone. Welcome to New Hope Radio. Oh, Dave Therrien here with you. And I'm going to spend some time together getting to know the Lord in a beautiful series. We just started it recently. People Jesus Touched. I'll tell you something. The touch of Jesus can make all the difference in the world. You know that? Has he touched you? Today we're going to see how he can touch people and take away their fears. We're studying Jesus because, you know, we want to learn as much as we can about him. Why not? The greatest person that ever lived. And he's done more for us than anyone has ever done. So there's no greater topic. There's no individual that is more impacting and influential, even life-changing, than Jesus himself. Now, we spent some time watching Jesus in action. When we met him for the first time, we heard him speak, and we said, Wow, Jesus, he said those things? Really? And he said some pretty uh, remarkable things, that's for sure. In this current series that we're in, we're going to see that Jesus touched some people that, tell you what, made all the difference in the world in their lives. In our first installment, he touched someone that no one else would, a man with leprosy. And as we learned, leprosy is symbolic of sin. And therefore, we all have it. And we're all in need of Jesus' touch. Today in our time together, we'll see that Jesus' touch can take away fear. And I like that too. You know why? Because <laughs> we all are prone to fear. Oh yeah. Most lives, if not all of them, have been invaded by something that brought fear. So fear is a common experience. But here's the thing. No one has to remain a prisoner of fear. Okay? That's something you mark that one down. You might have fear but you don't have to remain a prisoner of fear. Now, we're going to pick it up today in Matthew chapter 17. And it says in verse 1, six days later. Now, whenever I read something like six days later, <laughs> it makes me ask the question, six days later than what? Well, we go back to chapter 16, verse 13. Jesus came into the district of Caesarea, Philippi, and he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? So there he began to confess that he was the Christ. That he would be killed. Oh, but he'd rise again on the third day. So now, six days later, after that event, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. Now, wait a minute. Jesus had 12 disciples, but here he only took three. <laughs> I wonder why. I can think of two reasons why. Number one, they seemed to be the closest to Jesus. He often took them aside for special occasions. He took them into the Garden of Gethsemane, the night of his arrest. When he went to the house to heal Jairus' daughter, he kept everybody out except Peter, James, and John. 
So, like, okay, what was so special about them? <clears throat> I don't know. But maybe they showed the most interest in who Jesus was and what he was doing. I mean, isn't that what makes friendships shared interest, right? What makes a friendship? A shared interest. People have common interests. They share each other's interests. Even if they don't do the same things, they show an interest in the other person's thing. Maybe also, according to the Old Testament, two or three witnesses were required by the law to substantiate any fact. That's found in Deuteronomy 19.15. So, a couple of reasons maybe Jesus took these three with him in these private moments. They were very interested in what he was doing, more so than the others. And the law required witnesses, at least two, to verify something. And again, this shows that the law was important to Jesus. Because he said, he didn't come to abolish the law, he came to fulfill it. Remember the Pharisees when they would see Jesus do good things on Saturday? They'd be like, that's not good. Hey Jesus, what you do is good, but if you do it on the Sabbath, all of a sudden it's not good. <laughs> and Jesus is like, let me tell you something. When you do something good, it's always good. It doesn't matter what day it is. Oh, by the way, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm over the Sabbath, okay? So that's another story. So he took Peter, James, and John up into this high mountain, and you know what happened? Not going to believe it. He was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun. Oh, and his garments, they became as white as light. Now, again, let's remember, six days earlier, Jesus confessed to his disciples that he was the Christ. Now, being transfigured before three of them gave the evidence that he was from heaven, that he was from God. Because he was glowing. Oh, yeah. He was shining. Verse 3, behold. You know what behold means, right? Look at that. Pay attention. And behold. Moses and Elijah showed up. Boom! They just appeared. <laughs> and they were talking with Jesus. I'm like, what a sight. Here's Jesus. He's glowing, shining, radiating in all of his glory. And all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah just kind of like vaporize right with him. Now, why Moses and Elijah? Well, Moses was the lawgiver, right? The law came by Moses. Elijah, oh, he was a great prophet. So from a spiritual perspective, Jesus himself is the law and the prophet. He's both of those roles. Now, this was a great spiritual experience, not only for Jesus, but also for the disciples. And Peter was so moved by the whole thing that he wanted to build tents and stay there. Peter's like, man, this is great. Let's camp out. Let's stay here. Peter said to Jesus, oh, Lord, it's good for us to be here. The word good that he used is the word kalos, K-A-L-O-S, and it means an observable good. 
It's a good that we can see, that we can experience. Oh, this is a, what he's saying is, this is a great experience. You know, Jesus used that word in Matthew 5, 16, when he said, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works, callous works, observable works, and glorify your Father in heaven. So, you see, when, when Jesus said, let people see your good works, he's saying, Man, there is something that we give evidence of, that our Christian life is not just this spiritual, immaterial existence, but it really does have hands and feet, and it gets things done. And in the physical realm, it does reveal the character of God. That's our good works. So Peter said, if you wish, I will make three tabernacles here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now, it doesn't say anything, but it's like, wait a minute, what about James and John? Ah, oh, forget them. <laughs> I'm just thinking of you guys right now. Then something happened. Oh, it changed everything. Changed the whole scene. You know what happened? God spoke. When God speaks, it changes everything. Verse 5. Peter was speaking about building tents so that they could all camp out. And God interrupted Peter. Cut him off. Sometimes we need to stop talking and listen. You know that? Sometimes we need to be cut off. How many of you that are listening right now would acknowledge that you talk too much? <laughs> Anyone ever tell you you talk too much? You know, we have two ears, one mouth, right? You've heard that. Sometimes we need to listen. So again, the Bible says, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them. Usually clouds are dark, right? This was a bright one. And behold, remember behold? Look at that. Pay attention. A voice out of the cloud. Oh man, talking cloud. You know, in the Bible, we have things that talk. We, we had a talking bush with Moses. We had a talking donkey, remember, with Balaam. Now we get a talking cloud. And the cloud said, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Oh, you know what we've got here? Another witness. God the Father himself is a witness at the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember we said, Deuteronomy said you could have at least two witnesses. So we've got Peter, James, and John. They can say, yeah, man, we saw it. And then God the Father shows up and he's saying, listen, I'm here too. This is my son. He acknowledged it. This is Jesus. He's my son. Listen to him. Now in verse 6, when the disciples heard this, they fell down to the ground and they were terrified. The word terrified is the word phobeo. It's where we get the word phobia. You know, people have these fears, right? Fear of heights, fear of flying, fear of snakes, fear of speaking in public. These are all phobias. Well, that's that word, phobeo, to be struck with fear. And that's what happened to Peter, James, and John. They were like, boom, down. The voice of God from the cloud, that's enough to knock you down. It did it with Saul of Tarsus, remember? 
when Jesus spoke, Saul, Saul, boom, he blinded him with a bright light and Saul fell off his horse. Sometimes the voice of God will knock you off your high horse. And we need that sometimes. Sometimes we need to be like knocked down. You know why? So we'll listen. Sometimes we talk too much and we don't listen. How many listening today have ever been fearful of something? How many have ever fallen to the ground because of fear? Probably not many, because that takes phenomenal fear. I mean, these guys fell to the ground. You know why? They were really scared. They were scared. I mean, they're, they're seeing some things that they never witnessed in their life. I mean, you know, many sometimes an angel would show up, right? Remember when the, the angel came to, to Mary, Gabriel, and she was fearful? Yeah, you know, when, when, when these experiences happen from God, sometimes they strike fear into our puny little human hearts because we are completely, what's the word I want, overcome. I mean, when it comes to God dealing with man, God is like so big and we can become overcome. And these guys were overcome with fear. Oh, yeah. They didn't know what was happening. The booming voice of God. What did that sound like? I have no idea. I have no idea what the voice of God sounds like in this earth today. But they heard it. And they were scared. So notice what God did. He overshadowed them with a cloud of light. That was a phenomenon. Right? Then he spoke from the cloud. Double phenomenon. You know, there are circumstances that can strike fear into our hearts, even when they come from God. And like I said, God may do this to get our attention. Again, it would probably serve us well to listen more and speak less at times. Listen more and speak less. I've been working on that myself, trying to learn to listen more and speak less. Hey, listen better. Not just listen more, but listen better. You know, like listen with a heart that wants to know, that wants to understand. Even if you're listening to another person, and maybe it's a complaint, and you try to listen to understand. Not listen to defend, but listen to understand where they're coming from. Speak less, listen more, right? Quick to hear, Paul said, right? Slow to speak. Okay, so now here's Peter, right? He's, he's basking in the moment. But he was missing out on what was going on. Maybe if he didn't shoot his mouth off and talk about building tents, he would have recognized something special that was going on with Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. But Peter kind of interrupted the whole thing. And then God had to interrupt Peter. See? Peter, like, stop. Stuff it for once, will you, Peter? You're always the first one to say something. Maybe this is one time just like, be quiet. Just watch what's going on. Man, this is a great experience. You got Moses and Elijah, and they're ministering to Jesus, and Jesus is like shining in his glory. 
And you get to go shoot your mouth off. Just be quiet. Enjoy the experience. So, though they were filled with fear, you know what? Jesus was there. Oh, yeah. Verse 7. You know what Jesus did? He came to them. And he touched them. He wasn't angry. He wasn't upset. He came to them and he touched them. And he said, get up. These guys are flat on their face now, right? He said, get up. And do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. There's that word phobeo again. Don't be struck with fear. Don't have any fear. I am here. When I'm here, there's no reason to fear. Oh, I like that. God just gave me that fresh. Jesus said, when I'm here, there's no reason to fear. So in verse 8, lifting up their eyes, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. Moses, gone. Elijah, gone. That's okay. You know, it didn't seem to bother Jesus, did it? That Moses and Elijah had left. See, when Moses and Elijah left, this signifies the abolition of the ceremonial law and the prophets, which are now all fulfilled in Christ. This was a beautiful Bible lesson. That Christ came, he was the law, and the greatest of all prophets. And represented by Moses and Elijah. And when Moses and Elijah left, that signified the abolition of the ceremonial law and the prophets, which are now all fulfilled in Christ. Beautiful lesson. Did the disciples get it? I don't know. I think I got it, though. So they looked. When they looked up and they saw Jesus, they come out of their paralysis. Because you know what fear does, right? Oh, yeah. Fear paralyzed them. You know, when you're fearful, you're frozen. You're like, <gasps> I can't move. You're frozen. You don't know what to do. Do I go left? Do I go right? Do I get up? Do I go down? What do I do? Your fear. You're just like, you're in paralysis. And they were paralyzed. But Jesus, he touched them. Oh, and he set them free. He t Remember when he set the leper? He touched the leper last time? What happened when he touched the leper? The leprosy was gone. It was gone. Boom. Gone. He touched the fearful. And the fear was gone. You know, I'll tell you what, you never want to get too far from Jesus. I would say you always want to get as close as you can. Because it's amazing. Some of the maladies that we have, one touch by him, and they can be gone. He can touch you, and your fear will be gone. Whatever you're afraid of. Let's say today, right now, you have a particular fear in your life. Could be any aspect of life, anything at all. But if you draw close to the Lord and let him touch you, oh, that fear can be gone. So perhaps the application for us is a twofold application. Number one, 
Get as close to Jesus as you can when you're in fear. Because he touches the fearful. Oh, his touch. It's a magical touch. And I'm not talking the physical touch today, obviously. But you know what it means to be touched by God. You feel it in your heart. And he can bring that comfort. He can bring that confidence. He can bring that boldness. Oh, yeah, he can do it all. So here's the second lesson. As they were coming down from the mountain. And we're going to leave this story right there. But there's a personal application that we can make as we see the disciples coming down from the mountain. They just had an incredible experience. But they couldn't stay there. No. They had to come back down the mountain. They had to come back down. Why? Because the most wonderful spiritual experience. Hey, even if you find it in church, right? Will not remain. You have to return to everyday life. Let's say you go to a church and it's a wonderful church. You love your church. The music touches your heart. The message motivates you. The people are just so supportive and encouraging. It's a beautiful church, just like so many all over the globe. We're so thankful for beautiful churches and beautiful uh, Christians. And you get there on a Sunday, and it's like, awesome, this is great. And we probably all said at one time or another, I never want this to end. But you know what? The reality is, it has to end. And you know why? Because we have to return to everyday life. We can't stay on the mountain. We can't erect tents and stay there. You got to come down the mountain and you got to return to everyday life. And when you do return to everyday life, do it. Oh, here it comes. This is the kicker right here. Do it as a changed person. Don't come down the mountain the same person you went up the mountain. <laughs> Don't come out of church the same person you walked into church. Okay? Change the way you look at life. Isn't that we go, why we go to church? We go to, because we want to continue to change. Even if it's like increment by increment. We want to change. Less like us, more like Christ. That's what we want to do. We want to change. So the person that walks out of church... You don't want that to be exactly the same person that walked into church. You want to walk into everyday life a changed person. Change the way you react to life. Change the way you handle pressure. Remember Matthew 5.16? Hey, it, it applies to us today as much as it did when Jesus said it. Let your light shine before men. That's all people. In such a way that they may see your callous, right, good, observable works, works that are demonstra demonstrative, works that can be experienced by other people, the goodness that we do, not just the goodness that we are, but the good that we do, 
Other people can experience the goodness of our Christian life. And you know what the end result is? Glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's the end result. See, everything we do is to bring glory to God. We never want to forget that. Sometimes we think, oh no, it's about bringing glory to me. It's like, absolutely not. And there's a lot of preaching going on in the modern church today. I don't like it. It's about bringing glory to self. Oh, they don't say it that way. But it, it's about bringing glory to self. We don't hear a lot of talk about giving glory to God. That our lives and the light that God put inside of us and the ability to produce good works is to be a reflection. And it reflects people toward God. You know how, how the people far from God will see God in the people of God. You don't want them to see you. You want them to see the Lord. That's what's important. So think about the great spiritual experiences that we have. And they're good. Oh, we like them. And I love being in church. And I'll tell you what, every once in a while there's a church service. It's like, boom. The whole thing is like a home run. It's like a grand slam. Everything just clicks. The worship, the people, the message, people are serving. It's like everything's running on all cylinders. Doesn't happen every week. <laughs> <laughs> Wish it did. But you have these great, you know, even the lights worked, you know, the projector worked, the sound worked, everything worked. It was just great. But you can't stay there. When service is over, you go out into the world. You got to come down the mountain and let your light shine. And you go home and you let your light shine. And you go to work and you let your light shine. And you gather with your friends. And you go out and play and have fun. And you let your light shine. That's the key. The light's got to shine. This little light of mine, man, got to let it shine. And glorify your Father who is in heaven. So think about it, okay? Like we said in the beginning, we all have moments of fear. But don't stay there. You don't have to be a prisoner of fear. Let Jesus touch you. Draw close to the Lord. That's how he touches you. Open up your heart. Draw close. Behold who Jesus is and what he can do for you. Thanks for coming along today. Have you subscribed to our YouTube channel yet? Go to newhopecc.tv. Click on media. New Hope Radio. Click on the Hope Radio icon. Hit subscribe. Boom, you'll be there. Every time we go live, you'll get a notification. You can watch all of our programs there as well. Listen, thank you for coming along today. Remember, don't be a prisoner of fear. I'll see you next time for more at New Hope Radio.